Hey everybody, I'm Tom Zalatni. Uh, before we dive into the real meat of the show, I want to uh, take a minute to do all of our ads and everything just right out the gate. Uh, if you don't want to hear this, go ahead and skip ahead. I know not everybody wants to listen to ads right off the top of a podcast. Maybe you want to just dive right into the content. But uh, this is the only part in the flow of this episode where it felt okay to do something like this. Uh, so I'm getting the ads out of the way right away so that we can then spend the rest of the episode in the kind of serious headspace that we are in. Um, So I wanted to quickly let you guys know about our Patreon. Uh, Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that lets creators and audiences work directly together to produce the best possible content uh, at the lowest cost to the creators. Um, So this works by, you know, donating a couple dollars a month out of your pocket, uh, which goes a long way toward helping us keep the lights on in the studio. (laughs) Literally, this is uh, my only job is producing podcasts, so you are literally keeping the lights on in my studio. Um, And also to, you know, pay guests sometimes, and uh, a a decent chunk of our profits does go toward uh, charitable organizations, because let's face it, like, we don't necessarily need to have, like, a huge profit coming in from the show. We kind of just want to make sure that we're breaking even. Um, so yeah, if you want, if you have a little extra money lying around, you can go to patreon.com slash up for discussion and pledge as little as a dollar to help us out. Um, if you do that, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Will, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Kate, and Erica. Um, <laughs> do you want to be the like 15th name, I think, on that list? This is your chance. Lucky number 15, the big one. Anyway, by doing that, you get early access to bonus content, behind-the-scenes updates, and all kinds of other sweet perks as well, Um, including if you give $5 or more, you actually get to direct the content that comes out on the show by asking us, like, specific questions about things you want to hear about. Um, In a week or two from the time of this release, we're going to be diving into a new series on sex and sexuality. Um, so if you have questions about that or things you really want to make sure we talk about, maybe you're like part of a uh, sexuality classification that you feel doesn't get enough representation, you can, you can, you know, give us five bucks and make sure we talk about it for an episode. Uh, maybe you have a very specific and weird question about sex. We're here. We're open. Um, Patreon.com slash up for discussion is where you can donate to uh, make the most of that. Uh, I also want to tell you guys very quickly about one of our sponsors, Chaos. That's Chaos with a K. They are a multimedia company uh, that does production on a large and small scale, uh, specifically for you know businesses. So if you're looking to either deal with your social media professionally or you have like a video or a podcast or something you want produced, you should hit them up. You can go to createchaos.com to find out more. That's chaos with a K. Okay, here's the show. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 277 of Up for Discussion, the emotionally honest comedy podcast where we take your questions and dish out hot truths and tasty goofs. I'm your host Tom Zalatni, and I am alone in the studio again today like the good little quarantine baby that I am, but I am not alone in your ears or in your hearts, dear listener, because I will be joined over the phone for this episode by my wonderful co-host, Jeremiah. 
Before we get into that, uh, I want to take a minute to quickly acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that uh, we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in cha- uh, challenging conversations, um, specifically ones that are uh, anti-colonialist and and challenge structures that are um, unjust that are in place. Uh, so I want to take you. I want to encourage you rather to to take some time today to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Um, today's episode is uh, a little heavy and it's a little different. Uh, Jeremiah and I are going to spend the entire time talking about uh, what it means to be an ally to Black people right now during all of everything that is going on. Um, we uh, get really honest and get really serious and uh it's heavy um and i think it's a really important conversation to have had and to continue to be having um if you're one of our white or non-black poc listeners um this is i think an important episode for you to listen to um just to kind of know how you can do things going forward to like be the best ally that you can be a lot of intense things are said, um, <clears throat> which I'm going to let you just hear. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm recording this like pre-show note, uh, like 12 hours after having recorded the episode. Um, it's, it's a big one. Um, <laughs> so with that in mind, please enjoy this conversation with, uh, myself and Jeremiah. Hey, Jeremiah, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you today, Tom? Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here. It's been a it's been a rough uh, it's been a rough time recently, but but I'm here and I'm alive and I'm you know I'm I'm mostly happy. I'm just very tired. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Well, this episode's not gonna make you feel any better. I don't think. <laughs> Sorry about that. You know what? It's okay. That's that's part of the mandate of this show is that we meet each other where we are and we uh, you know get to things right. So. I think that's it's, true. It's okay to be exhausted and also have a hard conversation. I think so too. Um, so I will. I think we can start on a bit of a light note, just in that uh, this is the first episode you've been on since we hit our five-year anniversary. Um, oh shoot! Yeah, it is. Which uh, also means we are right around your one-year anniversary on the show. Uh, I, yeah. I do not know off the top of my head what your first episode number was, but uh, you've been here for about a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exciting. So uh, before we get into, you know, the uh, actual topic at hand for the day, uh, I wanted to ask if there's, like, anything you've been feeling about, like, you know, the show overall since uh, since you got here uh, 53 episodes ago, apparently. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know. It's It's been really interesting for me. This is my first time doing anything like this, um, and it's definitely made me more aware of like the voice that I have and the things I choose to talk about and kind of like my responsibility once I have a platform Mm. um which has been cool because it's like as an artist I was kind of already aware of that but poetry is kind of cryptic in a lot of ways (laughs) whereas this is really direct right and so it's helped me evaluate how I speak of things and who I bring into the space to speak with me which has been good I've met a lot of cool people on the podcast, which has been a lot of fun. Um, 
overall I have pretty good feelings about it, but I sometimes also am like, I have no idea what I'm doing or why I'm on this show, but I'm figuring it out. I think that's so. fair. I think, I think, I mean, I've been doing this for five years and I still feel that way sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think like, I, I'm really like reflecting on what the show has been like up until now. Like, I think that we did kind of hit a like new era, like, around the time that you signed on like maybe I feel like it started a little bit before before we brought you on and it really cemented like a little while into you being here but we we kind of have shifted from where we were before to being a little bit more thoughtful I think um and a little bit more like yeah just just a little bit more conscious of like like you were saying the platform that we have and uh Mm -hmm. I think that is like directly correlated to you like coming in and pointing that out honestly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, I, it's definitely a change I've seen in the year I've been here. And it's something I really appreciate is how willing you guys are to learn and how open you are to being told that maybe you were wrong and that there's a better <laughs> way to do this. And right. that's really cool to see. Yeah, I was, uh, I had a consult meeting today because I've started uh I started branding myself as a podcast consultant because I can't, Ooh. you know, rent the studio out until quarantine's over and I need to make money somehow. Um, <laughs> of course, I, I immediately after launching my consulting services, I also made the decision to waive consulting fees for like black creators for the next little while, just as like a, you know, courtesy kind of. Yeah. And uh, so I've, I've done a, a little bit of free consulting the last uh, couple of weeks um but uh i had a consulting call today with someone and uh he was asking me like what is something um i guess what is something that you wish you had known from the very beginning and honestly like i told him i was like well like my hosting lineup has changed pretty like dramatically over the years and that's because i've realized that like it is not actually going to give you better content to surround yourself with people who are exactly like you like even <laughs> even in terms of like you know you can you can have a cast of people who are all like you know left leaning progressives and still have super different you know feelings about x y and z in between that that group right like case in point all of the hosts on our show i think are you know progressive people but like you know you and adrian have butted heads over things in the past and like <laughs> I think like me and David have butted heads over things never on mic funny enough but like you know there's there is there is room for like engaging with different people's perspectives while still all also being on the same team um yeah definitely and that was a nice thing to kind of reflect on and like I feel like in the past year and a half maybe like our show has gotten a little bit better about like intentionally like having those conversations a little bit more honestly so mm-hmm. yeah awesome glad i could be a part of that yeah i hope you'll be part of it for a whole lot longer <laughs> me too um so we were talking earlier this week and trying to decide like what we should do for this week's episode um because we only had one patreon question and like <laughs> to be honest it was like a little bit uninspiring so we were like oh what do we do and like we have a theme that we're gonna be like starting to tackle for a longer series again starting next week but we we're like what do we do this week and you were like well i would really like to you know talk about allyship and talk about Black Lives Matter and talk about the protests that are going on right now. And I was like, yep, yep, that's a good idea. Um, so we're going to 
do that. And I know we had a cool. bit of a, we addressed that a little bit last week, but I think that this is an ongoing conversation and like something that we could probably do months and months of content on. So I think that it Definitely. is totally fine to do a part two. <laughs> awesome. For me, and that's this is part of like being on a podcast and having a platform for me is always being like, well, what's happening right now? And when there's something urgent or there's something really big happening, it always feels to me like, like we don't have the option not to talk about it. Like it was the same thing um, with the conflict with White Suetin. I was like, I, as a white passing individual with a platform that people listen to, like it's, I feel that it's necessary for us to engage in these topics because otherwise we're playing into the ignorance. We're playing into that white privilege of just ignoring it and carrying on with our regular lives. Right. And I think it's really, really important that we, as part of the privileged group, don't let things go back to normal. Mm-hmm. If if Black people have to engage with this content in their daily life because it is their daily life, we should also have to engage in this content in a daily way. I have been pretty heavily steeped in this kind of content and education for the last couple of weeks, ever since mm-hmm. the first protests kind of popped off. And an idea that I saw that's come up a couple times is people like to treat these issues like they're black issues, mm. when in reality, white supremacy is a white issue. Right. It's it's a system and a series of systems that are created, upheld, and perpetuated by white people. And yeah. the change that needs to happen isn't going to happen if it continues to be a conversation that's only being had by black, indigenous, and POC communities, the white community needs to engage we need to act as agents of change as well so i know i was a little hesitant at first at the idea of just me and you having this conversation since you're white and i'm white passing but these are conversations white people need to be having between ourselves and so i'm actually pretty glad that we decided to do this today yeah Um, me too i i think like there man there was this like (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly. Crap! Did I lose this train of thought immediately after starting to, to say it? I maybe did. <laughs> Shit! Shit! That's okay. Oh, it'll come back. I found it. I found it. Yeah, I I've been thinking about this a lot because, like, so I mean, we're both queer, right? We're both part of the LGBTQ plus community, yeah. and like, I I think a lot about how you know we're in Pride Month right now, and like, because there are I, I want to say bigger things happening right now. I think that's that's fair to say than just pride, right? It is it is kind of hard to focus on pride like themed content, I guess. Um, and I think a little bit about that because I've seen you know some of my like white queer friends like lamenting that, and then I think about it and I'm like, well, who gave you pride? <laughs> who yeah. who made it possible for like? pride month to happen in the first place and like spoilers it was not white people who who like led that first charge toward this so like i kind of feel like we we do need to be having these conversations and like the the like white privilege side of it like white or the white supremacy side of it rather is like a thing that i have been realizing in seeing like countless white people on my social media uh, feeds starting to kind of grapple with this stuff for the first time is Mm -hmm. the ones who resist it are the ones that I like one 
feel very little sympathy for on the one hand and two kind of feel the most pity for because like you know i've seen i've seen plenty of people (laughs) suddenly realize oh shit i'm part of a toxic system i need to do work on myself and like for those people i'm like good i'm glad you're seeing this let me know if i can help but then i see other people who aren't saying a word about it or are putting out kind of half-assed statements saying like Mm -hmm. i know i'll never understand but i'll stand you know and like (laughs) look i get it like not everybody has the energy to educate themselves and like sometimes you are not in a place where where you're open to that yet but the thing that i think about a lot with this like toxic white supremacy culture is that like the disservice that it is doing to white people is that it's training us not to have empathy for people around us it's Mm -hmm. it's a system where like and and look i'm not saying that that is anywhere near equal to how bad it is for everybody else but (laughs) what i am saying is like it is like i i pity white people who are so entrenched in this that they don't see the problem before it's like shoved in their faces like yeah it's 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 kind of nuts to me that it is possible to live your life thinking like oh you know like it's not that bad because like Mm -hmm. i mean look 20 30 years ago i totally understand how it was possible we had way less access to information then but it's 2020 you can open your phone and find out the truth about what the world is like pretty easily. And like, it's, uh, I'm just constantly like, like if white people, here's, here's what I'm, here's the point I'm trying to make. If white people need a selfish reason to get behind dismantling white supremacy, then maybe the selfish reason they can have is that they will learn how to love other people better if white supremacy is dismantled because they will stop perpetuating a system that teaches them not to give a shit about other people. Yeah. I don't know how coherent that was, but I followed along for the most part. (laughs) I'm very tired. There were a few other ideas in there that we could have branched off on, but yeah, I mean, an oppressive system is oppressive to everyone who participates in it. And, um, the other thing is like white supremacy doesn't exist as a standalone system. White supremacy is tied to capitalism. It's tied to extractive resource consumption. And those are things that negatively impact most white people. Right. Like you have the few who are super rich rolling in it. And this is the other thing that white supremacy does really well is it pits all white people the rich ones and the ones that are getting shit on against everybody else. And it says, if you're loyal to us, you know, maybe you might get here, but if you start letting other people into the space, if you start giving them resources, there's less for you. Right. Because the people at the top of this system are still withholding resources and still hoarding everything. And I think like what white people, especially like, middle, lower-class white people need to realize is, like, our enemies are the same. Like, if we take down these systems that are oppressing other groups in America and Canada, like, our situation is also going to get better. If we invest in community resources, hey, guess what? We're part of those communities, too. (laughs) We also get to benefit from that. Right. If we diminish police forces and have, like, overall safer neighborhoods and safer cities oh look we benefit from that too 
if we take environmental justice seriously and look at it as intersectional and as tied to racial inequality and we work on it and we fix it, oh, guess what? The planet's better for us too. If we teach urban populations about food security and we seize the means of production and we like build up communities in our cities, we have better cities to live in. Like our struggle is tied to their struggle intrinsically. And like, as we make things better for them, we're just making it better for everyone. And why wouldn't we do that? Yeah. Unless we're still holding on to this impossible, impossible propaganda dream that we can be the top 1% if we're loyal to our race, which is just a load of fucking bullshit. (laughs) I hope that made sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that made a lot of sense. It's it's frustrating because it is like I have had like I have had white friends who are not from North America who have mm-hmm. like acted like racism is a North America <laughs> problem, and like I cannot speak to you know I cannot speak to the context in any other countries because I I don't know them as well as I know our context, right? But like, (laughs) I'm always just a little bit like, I think you just, you know, (laughs) don't Don't live somewhere where it's as like blatantly in your face as it is here or you're not looking, you know? And like, I've had those same people tell me that like, (laughs) that they're tired of getting like passed over for jobs that they're qualified for because you know the company wants to make a diversity hire and one let's just scrap the idea that a a diversity hire is a thing it's a gross idea it's not a thing if companies have a policy that they are going to be intentional about hiring diversely it is never down to one specific hire that 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 Mm -hmm. that comes into play it's never we need to hire a token person it is we are doing this at all levels and paying attention to it Uh, and two that like the idea that as a white person like diversity is bad for you is such a toxic concept and like it just drives me nuts it drives me nuts because I'm like you are completely missing the point here that like yes you yourself might not be trying to be racist you yourself might not be like you know prejudice toward people in any way shape or form i'm willing to believe that you have the purest heart in the universe but systemic racism is real well no but you know for for argument's sake i'm willing to believe that they think they're a good person right (laughs) and that they have good intentions but like systemic racism is a thing and the second that you try to deny it by telling me that you have been discriminated against for being white i'm immediately gonna go no you haven't yeah like it's just it's exhausting and and like when i feel exhausted by this kind of thing the thing that is really like hitting me recently is like i have not ever until recently registered how much more exhausting it is for people of color yep (laughs) like it is like and, and and like i am someone who thinks about this kind of stuff i am someone who engages with this and and challenges themselves to grow and and to learn and to be a good ally and it only occurred to me very recently how much more exhausting this is for people who are actually like living it yeah like specifically the 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 explaining it constantly to clueless people Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like like i see a lot of 
would-be white allies lamenting the fact that, like, oh, the communities I'm trying to help aren't patient enough with me. The communities I'm trying to help won't fucking spoon-feed me everything I need to know to help them. And I'm like, brah, get over yourself. And it's, like, true, it can be, like, a little challenging to figure out where to start. Like, if you've never engaged with this content before, it can be a little difficult. But... We all have Google. We all know how to use the search bar. And white people, you're allowed to talk to other white people about this. You can ask your friends, hey, do you have any resources? Do you have any books you've read that have changed your perspective on this? And you can start there. You can start small. Um, in the description of this episode, I'm going to send Tom a bunch of stuff to put in it, which are places you can start, books you can read, Instagrams you can follow. And a lot of it comes down to, like, intentionally diversifying what surrounds you and where you get your information from. Mm -hmm. Like, I was thinking about this earlier, and it's like, okay, for example, if you are a graphic designer, and on your Instagram account, you follow a bunch of other graphic designers, are they all white? <laughs> are any of them black? It is not that hard to do a Google search and find some black graphic designers and follow them. And then when that person posts a post content that amplifies somebody else's voice or somebody else's work take takes a three extra minutes to go to that original person's profile check out what they're about maybe give them a follow see what other resources they're posting and it's like also going to black creators for content other than just like content about racism or content about like the specific social issues we're trying to deconstruct. Like you can also go to black creators for sci-fi right. and for fantasy and having that diversity of voices and experiences like makes your world so much bigger and so much richer. Cause it's like their imaginings and their creations are coming from a totally different background than yours, a different cultural sensibility, a different aesthetic, a different way of envisioning the future and seeing that in work that's just like purely imaginative and for fun is really enriching and it expands what you're able to picture and what you're able to imagine. And so um, I had a thought here. Where did it go? Even going back to what you were saying about like diversity hires, like it's super valuable to have that at a workplace. Yeah. Like your work will be so much better when you have the perspective and the opinion of vastly different people than if you're in a fucking echo chamber. <laughs> like, it's like, there's no way that your life doesn't benefit from bringing other people into it and from, like, opening up your space to people of different backgrounds than you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it just... It, and, like, those things seem so obvious to me. And so sometimes it's hard for me to understand, like, white people who grow up in a white bubble and want to preserve that. Right. And I guess like the unknown is scary. And if you've been trained your whole life to think that like these people are less than you admitting that that's wrong means admitting a lot of other things you grew up believing are wrong. Right. And that sucks. And it's hard. Yeah. It's necessary. And your life will be so much better off if you do that. And the lives of the people around you will be so much better off if you do that. So white people suck it up <laughs> Admit you grew up in a racist system and absorbed a lot of racist thoughts and allow yourself to, like, learn and make mistakes and get better. No one's asking you to be perfect right away. We're just asking you to, like, 
start trying. Yeah. I, th- I think you can give us that much. That's it. That's it's huge. It's, it's like the effort is such a big thing. And like, that feels like such a kind of like, um, cliche thing to say, right. That like, it's the, like, it's the thought that counts, but like, it kind of is the thought that counts. Like you, it, I mean, it's an active thought as opposed to a passive thought, I think is an important mm-hmm. distinction to make, but like, there is a lot of value in trying and there's a lot of value in like acknowledging where you have failed and where you need to do better. And like, you know, I'm, <laughs> I had a, a, a conversation with a like black female friend of mine the other day who like at some point said, I can tell that you have the heart for what is going on right now. And I appreciate that. And like, keep doing what you're doing. And that was really validating but also made me super paranoid that I'm going to get lazy now because I've been validated <laughs> and like that's <laughs> that's why I'm saying it here because I want to be held accountable to not get lazy because like mm-hmm. like I don't think that my motivation here is to get a pat on the back but like it it even just hearing it from someone who I see as like an authority here because like they also work in like diversity and inclusion like professionally like to to get that confirmation was such a like it lifted a a bit of weight off of me and that weight being lifted off of me felt gross because I was like Mm. oh hold on gotta check myself here (laughs) and like yeah and I'm willing to admit that I'm willing to admit that like there is a part of me that puts in the effort because I want to do the right thing by people and like part of that is motivated by not wanting to do the wrong thing you know <laughs> like yeah. and and there is something important to constantly checking your motivations and like making sure that you're not like doing things for the wrong reasons but also at least you're doing things right like it's such a that <laughs> is where my brain goes with all of this yeah. um i think there is something to be said for checking in with people and like I've been seeing a lot of this actually on on social media people telling you like now is a good time to check in with your black friends now is a good time to check in with your indigenous friends make sure if they're not okay find out how you can help right because like the reality of our current situation is that these protests are a long time coming (laughs) frankly and are like they can be really triggering for a lot of people and really bring up painful experiences and memories that might not be that old right and like the thing with trauma is that when you have experienced trauma and have PTSD little things can set it off but yeah having your trauma waved in your face every time you open any social media app because it's in the news right now is devastating um yeah so yeah Yeah. (laughs) a note on checking in with like your black friends right now don't it can't just be like a hollow check and it can't just be like oh how are you holding up if you're gonna go out of your way to check in on them you have to go out of your way to support them yeah and a lot of them aren't gonna want to talk to you about how they're feeling right now so don't go in asking how are you feeling how are you doing how are the protests affecting you like unless you have a really really close relationship with them and you've already been engaged in those conversations with them check-ins should look more like hey are you in need of anything that I can give you right now? Mm-hmm. Hey, what are some ways I can support you while this is happening? 
like there has to be something tangible attached to it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just checking in to make yourself feel better and they're going to feel worse at the end of it. Um, also, this this isn't the time to check in on that one black friend you had in high school that you haven't talked to <laughs> in six years. God. Like, don't fucking do that shit. No. Like, that's not helpful at this point. I, uh, a, a, a close black friend of mine told me that... Um, they had somebody from high school check in on them that way the other day who they hadn't spoken to in many years message and be like hey I'm so sorry about you know any racist jokes I might have made in high school how you holding up and they were like I'm not I'm not having this conversation with this person right now like this is not what this is about and like just just don't do that don't do that generally speaking don't like randomly check in on people that you haven't spoken to in a very long time, like out of nowhere. It's stressful. Yeah, like, like your your check in with someone should be proportional to the relationship you already have with them. Yeah, that's it. Like there's there's a difference between like hmm was thinking about you know hmm, today I need to make sure that I check in with at least one black friend and sending a message to a person you barely know. And, you know, maybe you saw someone share something and you're like, oh, that resonated. I should let them know that that resonated is a totally different Mm -hmm. instinct. You know, if you haven't seen someone in years, but you're like, I feel like it would be valuable for that person to know that like people are reading what they're saying. Then I think it's okay to message someone you haven't spoken to in years and, you know, let them know that you're out there. But like, don't, don't, like don't be that person who just just messages someone out of nowhere to check in with them during a crisis that's not that's not your job check yeah, in on the no, people you, you actually have relationships with yeah like and and this is this applies to like a lot of different ways that like white allies sometimes get involved but it's like any action you make any statement you make anything you do you need to be willing to follow up on if you're not willing to follow up on it don't fucking bother yeah yeah exactly. like we don't we don't want your lip service right now we don't want performative allyship like if you're gonna talk the talk walk the walk yeah and if you can't do that do the work that it that makes it so that you're able to do that next time i have a question for you this is yes and like feel free to shoot this down um so I know that we have at least one like listener who has who is a friend of mine who has talked to me about how they feel like as a non-black person of color who does experience systemic racism but in totally different ways mm-hmm. they feel weird right now through all of this and like yeah. they have had trouble kind of figuring out how to be an ally while also holding their own like feelings of having you know had racism done to them god sentences are hard when you're tired <laughs> they are feeling like uh they're having a hard time being an ally to black people right now because of the ways that they themselves have been oppressed for their race mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if there's anything that you can speak to in that as someone who is white passing but presumably still feels the effects of this stuff yeah it's definitely like tricky territory and everybody's affected by it in different ways. Um, And like a big part of it is, which it sounds like this listener has already done is acknowledging that like the ways non-black POC are affected by systemic racism is different than the way black people are affected by systemic racism. And it's, 
okay to acknowledge that and it's important to acknowledge that um and just because as a non-black poc you experience racism in different ways doesn't invalidate the racism you experience it doesn't mean that it's less harmful to you personally but it's recognizing that it's not part of that same long long history that black racism in north america has um, in terms of coming alongside as an ally, really, like for me, in my experience, any system that we target to dismantle because it negatively impacts black communities, dismantling that system is also going to benefit us. Mm-hmm. Like if we defund and disarm the police, they're going to shoot less black people and they're going to shoot less non-black POC and they're going to have less of a presence in those communities because overall we've reduced the policing system. Mm-hmm. Um, if we invest more in community care and like social work responses and all those things, it also benefits our communities. And so right now I think the difficulty can be as non-black POC, we don't feel like we can speak about our own experiences right now. And that's, I think, okay. Like it's, oh God, I'm not doing a good job here. I I think you are for what it's worth. Thank you. Because I mean, for me looking at it, it's like, well, any work that we do that benefits the black community also benefits our communities. And Mm -hmm. I think the difficult part is feeling like maybe we have to silence ourselves as we come alongside the black community because we feel like it's not our turn to talk and like i get that that's hard and that's difficult and it can feel like well what about me but it's just like when you're engaging in those specific spaces that are addressing the issues that disproportionately affect black communities just knowing that like that space is for them and in this space we're going to honor their voice but that doesn't mean you can't also create spaces where your voice is heard and your voice is honored like in in your own community you can still have space with other non-black POC or even with your black friends where you guys commiserate and can talk about your experiences too but it's just like in this moment what we're focused on is the black community and that doesn't mean we're not going to get around to the issues of non-black POC like if we fight with the black community they're going to fight with us and we're going to like bring each other up together And I don't think infighting between the different marginalized communities really does any good. And yeah, I definitely recognize and feel that right now can be a strange time to try and process your own experiences with racism as a non-Black POC. It can feel like, oh, do I have space to work through this right now? Is there space for my voice on this right now? And I think there is still space for that. It's just space for that should be created outside of the Black Lives Matter movement itself. And we can keep those things separate and still work towards like a communal goal. I feel like I explained that really, really badly, but those are my thoughts (laughs) as they came out. Stream of consciousness. (laughs) I think like, uh, I think, I think you did that well is is what I'm trying to say. Uh, (laughs) No, I get it. There's, there's something about the stream of consciousness that makes you wonder if, you got your point across at the end, but having listened to it, I think you did. Okay. 
yeah. yeah. But, no. but like that's the other thing that like being on a podcast like throwback way to the beginning of the episode is weird for me because as a writer normally I get to like write it look at it refine it right. being on the podcast I'm like I just said it as it came to my brain and I have no idea if it was good but it's there I get it um, and yeah, an acknowledgement of that, I am definitely still learning how to be effectively and sustainably engaged in activism. And I may say things that aren't great. And if that happens, I will admit it and I will address it and I will do better. Um, and I'm just speaking from my own experience as a non-Black POC at the moment. So yeah yeah fair enough my <laughs> that's it that's if i have one like huge call to action from this episode like my biggest call to action is to defund the police but if i have one like based on this conversation we have had uh my big call to action is always be willing to learn and always be willing to acknowledge when you have done something fucked up even if you were doing yep. it on purpose for a while because you didn't realize it was fucked up because it is not helpful to stew in regret forever and no. it is much more helpful to like course correct and move forward yeah your guilt doesn't accomplish anything yeah your white guilt does not convince me of your character worth your white guilt is unproductive and a waste of space okay like obviously feelings of guilt are going to come up and it's something you have to work through work through your feelings of guilt with your white community mm. work through your feelings of guilt in private don't work through it in public spaces don't work through it using your black or your poc friends like and this is the other thing white people need to be willing to talk to other white people about this yeah. because there, there's shit you have to deal with to uncondition yourselves that like your your black friends aren't going to walk you through yep but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing that work you just have to figure out where it's appropriate for you to do that and so like like i said right at the beginning of the episode like this is a white issue talk to white people about it engage with white people about it talk to your family about it like it's not comfortable and it's not easy to talk to your family about it but you have to yeah you've got to do it like be willing to have uncomfortable conversations your your white discomfort doesn't measure up to like the terror that black people live in in these countries so like get over yourself <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah that's a um oh another thing i thought of earlier that i wanted to say but then didn't get to is accountability you mentioned it yep. in regards to something earlier and in the context of like white people talking to white people find yourself an accountability buddy this is a concept i would basically <laughs> work in church but like it's applicable like you and your white friends get together as a group and hold each other accountable. Have a weekly goal. Have a daily goal. Check in with each other about it. Be like, oh, what like, what was the last book you read by a black author? If your friend can't think of one, together, find a book by a black author, commit to reading it, and talking about the book after. Yeah. Like, it's easier to do this work when you're doing it with someone. Yeah. Make use of the people in your life. Like, it's so much easier to do this work together than each trying to do it on our own with no support. So, like, accountability buddies, yeah. do it. I, I do think that, like, so we're, we're going to have to wrap up in a couple minutes, but I, I yeah. do think, like, what you just said and also what you were saying a minute ago in response to, like, being an ally when you have also experienced oppression, it's, if you think about, like, 
I'm going to take this in two directions in the same same metaphor, either a team okay. sport or a game of Dungeons and Dragons. And you can you can choose, you know, if you're a jock or a nerd or both, you can kind of follow either <laughs> of these streams, but they're going in the same direction. When you play something like, say, baseball or soccer or D&D, you are in a team with other people, right? And mm-hmm. if you know, each of you has different roles that you're playing, right? Maybe you're the pitcher, maybe you're first base, maybe you're the cleric, maybe you're the barbarian, whatever it may be, you rely on each other when you're, you know, on the field or when you're in combat to have each other's backs and to carry things forward so that you can win. And if you're in a situation where one of your teammates is injured or if, you know, maybe your barbarian took... A little bit too much damage and he's downed it is not you know it's not to say that what you're going through is not also hard right it's not to say that you're not going to be the target of the next attack from a monster or that you're not going to be the next person up to bat but it is okay in that moment to say i need to take a minute and go stabilize my friend or i need to like you know <laughs> keep an eye on this guy and make sure that if he seems like his injury is affecting him more than he's letting on, I should tell the coach and have him pull him for a minute. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not going to win the world series or defeat the dragon (laughs) if you don't work together as a team and put aside for a minute, your own needs to help the people who are around you who are suffering more than you in that moment. Yeah. That was hard but i think that i got my point across through both of those metaphors i I think so (laughs) it was it was a little uh, but i think we got there sometimes i can't decide if i want to do D &D or baseball so i do both you know sure yeah i'll take your word for it Um, oh man i i feel like there was other stuff i wanted to say that we didn't get to but i'm also gonna always feel that way about this topic mm -hmm. because there is so much to say yeah but yeah, um, we're going to put a bunch of stuff in the description. Mm-hmm. Some of it is going to be books to read. Some of it will be Instagrams to follow. Um, some of it will be local resources for Montreal. So check that out for yeah. sure, guys. And I, keep having these conversations with people in your life. Yeah. I do Don't stop give a, having these conversations. I want to give a yes. quick shout out to um, to the Yeah Podcast, one of the other shows on our network. They just released an episode this week. Um first kind of calling out the like racism and like just telling a really wild story um about like um systemic racism in young adult literature publishing um and like that was very sobering to hear uh and also uh as part of the same episode they shared a like bunch of recommendations of young adult novels by black authors um oh heck yeah yeah so it's uh i guess yeah even at the time of this episode's release it will still be their most recent episode uh but if it's not it'll be like pretty recent in their feed so look up the yeah podcast um for an episode titled black lives matter you can't miss it it's in the middle of some (laughs) harry potter episodes uh, which we can say some things about harry potter uh (laughs) But uh, it's fun. They've actually committed to reading through and reviewing all the books in the Harry Potter series without ever saying the author's name because they're trying to claim the text away from a horrible turf. So 
oh, okay, there's a lot. I have feelings yeah. about that, but this is not. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway. Um, Another time. The the Black Lives Matter episode of the App Podcast has some fantastic uh, recommendations about books that you should be reading that uh, will be helpful for you at any reading level. Because I know for me, I'm not necessarily a big reader. I am much more likely to pick up and finish a young adult novel than I am, say, a like 500 page dissertation by someone academic it's just uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to admit that yeah and that's okay like you can find resources for like whatever level you're at they exist yeah. they're out there and a bunch of them are in our show notes hell yeah thank you so much <laughs> for this no problem i uh i hope that people listening got something out of it i think for me selfishly I think this was a a really good conversation for me to have had with you, um, mm-hmm. just because I think we like covered a lot of stuff that felt like things I needed to hear and say. Oh, you okay? Oh yeah, no, but then my friend's bird just landed on my phone. We're Whoa. good. <laughs> Special appearance by bird. Yes, I'm I'm bird sitting. Amazing, um, but yeah, I. Uh, I think if you're listening, you've been listening to this and going like, wow, this is a hard conversation to like be listening to. I want to challenge you to have a similarly hard conversation with someone in your life who you think would be open to it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, we need to have hard conversations. There's no point in only doing what's easy. Yeah. My, what I want listeners to take away. Um, this is an ongoing and sustained battle, if you will. Um, you, you can't, just be engaged with this while it's trending on Instagram. Yeah. Dismantling white, like beyond defunding or dismantling the police, dismantling white supremacy takes all of us and it takes an ongoing and sustained effort. Look into what's happening locally. I promise you there are organizations in your communities and in your neighborhoods already looking at this, figure out how to come alongside and support them, how to engage with them, have these conversations with people and yeah, find an accountability buddy, hold yourself accountable to engaging with this content on a regular basis moving forward. Cause it can't be something that you just decide to ignore again once it's not a trending hashtag. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can hear that tap, tap, tap in the background on my I end. Can. Uh, that is the two stupid teenage boys who live next door dressed in full hockey gear smacking their hockey sticks against the pavement in the back alley right behind the studio why (laughs) it's like theoretically in support of frontline workers but i think that they are you know just also they're just big hockey fans and they're like we don't have hockey to watch Uh, these two are i don't think anyone else in my neighborhood is frontline workers (laughs) useless (laughs) Come on, clapping, you send emails to your local MPs demanding all sorts of things. Or like, I don't know, wear a mask when you go to the grocery store or, you know, yeah. actually quarantine and only see people who live in your household instead of uh, dating two different girls at the same time. Like one of the dudes, one of these two teenagers, I don't know him really. I've just seen him making out with two separate girls who he's definitely two-timing both of them. Anyway... Maybe he's Polly. You don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But also, like, yeah, don't be making out with your two different girlfriends right now. COVID is still around. Be smart. Be smart. And that's the other thing. Taking care of marginalized communities includes 
you know, respecting public health rulings yeah. and following guidelines during a pandemic because the pandemic disproportionately affects black and PNC communities. So by doing your part to stop the spread of COVID-19, you're also help- helping your black communities. Wow. And that's, okay, and that's as easy as wearing a mask when you leave the house and respecting social distancing guidelines. It's the yeah. least you can do. Really, really is. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, thanks, Jeremiah. This was. Uh, you know what? This Thank was you. this was fun. I, I was I was about to say it feels weird to say this was fun, but this was fun. I really I really like doing this with you. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. See ya. Peace out. And that brings us to the end of our show for this week. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, I I hope that this was valuable to you, Uh, but if you like this episode enough to consider supporting us financially, that would be very cool. You can go to patreon.com slash up for discussion to do that. Uh, We also have merch, so you can click the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at TeePublic. And uh, if you want to support us for free, which is also very much appreciated and, you know, is free, so it is just kind of by default easier for everyone. Uh, you can do that by sharing the episode with a friend or leaving us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. You can follow our show on social media at Down With Talking and like our page on Facebook. Um, if you had a like favorite memory of our show over the past five years that you wanted to share with us a, a couple weeks ago for our five year anniversary episode and you missed it uh it's not too late you can send those in we'll be kind of you know dipping into them occasionally and and sharing them on the show it's uh it's not going to be as formal as it was the first time but like we still really love hearing from you it it warms our hearts to hear the w- things that people liked about our show so if you want to do that you can do that um send us an email send us a tweet whatever works for you you know how to reach us we're not hard to find special thanks to the honeythorns for letting us use their song crack apart as our theme music you can find all their music for sale at the honeythorns.bandcamp.com and this show is produced and edited by me the very exhausted tom zalatni for the upford network you can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com my children are home and they're loud If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else. Hey there, campers. My name is Emmett, and I'm the host of Gaze in the Woods, a podcast that explores rural LGBTQIA2 plus experiences, from radical fairies and lesbian farmers to backwoods slam poets and community organizers organizing communities the community didn't know where they were all along. Can you have a pride parade when you're the only gay in the village? What is camp when you live in a trailer? 
And if a genderqueer bear shares their pronouns in the forest and nobody gets it, is anything real? I don't know, but let's find out together on Gays in the Woods, an Up for Network podcast. <laughs>